to Exodus chapter 2. This morning we're looking at Exodus chapter 2, verse 11 through Exodus 3, 12. Um, if you do not have your Bible, we have it printed there in the bulletin for you, for your convenience. We are continuing a study of Exodus. This is our third sermon third passage to look at from Exodus uh, and our theme, the series title is, is Rescued and Kept. Rescued and Kept. Um, that is what God does for His people, as we will see. Uh, we've said this before, I'll say it again, this is, this is the um, ultimate redeeming event in the experience of God's people before the coming of Christ. This, this was such, I mean, they, they, God revealed Himself in, in creation. He revealed Himself through His promises to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob. And those promises were believed by His sons, by Joseph. And, but we see here in this book, in this and this section, this, this continuation of God's covenant faithfulness, but it expands where He begins to keep His covenant. He rescues His people and shows just how wonderful and glorious He is. And, um, and here we have in this text just uh, an interesting account, to say the least, of Moses understanding his call, seeing what God was calling him to do, but yet not really getting it either. And just to go ahead and say that, I think that's our experience too. Again, you know, I said this at the end of the service last week. Sometimes we, we hear this and we think, oh, that's, that's a true story. That happened. If you're a Christian, you believe God's Word, but you think it's kind of separate from you or other than from you. But this is a person like you and me struggling to believe God's promises and struggling to how do I obey and how do I trust God. And there's failure here and there's redemption here and there's understanding here that I think we can all relate to. We all need to understand. This is, this is our story too. So with that said, let's pray and then read this scripture together. Gracious God, we, 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 uh, we cannot understand, we, we will not have ears to hear apart from the, your work, Holy Spirit, in our hearts, Lord. Open up our hearts to your word. Help us to, to hear the gospel, to hear the news of grace and mercy to sinners, to, to people that, whose flesh is at war within them, who, who trust and yet struggle to trust, who want to obey yet mess up. Lord, that is where we are, but we are secure in you, and you are enough. So, Lord, help us to see that this morning in this, in this your word, that we are not enough, but you are. And, Lord, give us great confidence in both those things through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Exodus 2, verse 11. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And when he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together, and he said to the man in the wrong, Why do you strike your companion? He answered, 
Who made you a prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Now the priests of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. When they came home to their father, Ruel, he said, How is it that you have come home so soon today? They said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and even drew water for us and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, Then where is he? Why have you left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah. And she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Now Moses was keeping keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mount of God, mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and looked, he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver out of the hand of the Egyptians, and them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent to you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. There are three, three points of this sermon, um, which is my custom, right? Uh, it's what we're supposed to do. It's part of our contract as pastors, we preachers. We have to have three points. No, but um, 
The first thing I want us to see is we see Moses acting in his prime. Secondly, we see Moses being called in God's time. And then the third point is, so what? So what? What does that mean to you and me? It's interesting, when, you, when we come to this text, we, um, we see Moses, he's, we learn that he's, he's grown, he's a grown man, he goes out, he says, to see his people. Um, he identifies with his people, he's, been, he's grown up most of his life in the palace of Pharaoh with all the privileges and all the education and all the, the luxuries that that um, provides. But he, he identifies, he remembers his mother, apparently he remembers his people. He still has core memories of, of where he's from. He knows he's not an Egyptian. He knows he looks like these Hebrew slaves. And he goes out to see them. To look on their burdens. And he saw something that made him angry. What did he see? He sees an Egyptian hurting one of his brothers, one of his people. And he kills him. Why? Why does he do that? Why does he do that? Um, it, you know, some of you uh, know this, and some of you might not. Uh, for two years now, I've been serving as a police department chaplain. Rick and I have done that. We've done some ride-alongs. And the thing that really gets me, uh, the thing that I've been in awe of, is not how these guys who've been trained to subdue and neutralize the threat. I'm not so much surprised by how they do that, but how they stop. <laughs> you know? And I got to witness it one time. I can't say who. I don't know if I was supposed to be there. So I'm not going to do names. <laughs> but I was in the back of a car. And I saw uh, someone pull their car in front of a, someone that was, that was uh, on, the, you know, on the run. It was a slow speed on the run. It was something, I don't know. He was probably something going on there. Anyway... It was not a high-speed chase, but uh, he ran into his car. But this guy, trained to you know to subdue and to and to bring justice, came out, rifle pointed, voice of command, pulled the guy out of the car and subdued him, and then started shutting the door behind him. But he what he didn't know the guy's leg was still in the door, and he was like, "Put your hands up, put them where I can see him." You know, he's like, and then he's like, Shit, and he's like, "Oh my leg," you know, and then he goes, "Oh, are you okay?" <laughs> Like, I mean, it was this, he just, oh, I'm sorry. You know, it was thick. And I was like, I wasn't in awe of his prowess. He's a big guy. He's trained for that. But that, all of a sudden, once he, the, the threat was neutralized and he had control of the situation, he was actually going, oh, I'm sorry about your leg. You know, it was, so, I mean, as I, re, as I read this, I, I see Moses actually, again, Moses did not have that kind of restraint. Moses was angry at the injustice and Moses you see I think what he's doing he's realizing you know what I'm a prince of Egypt I'm a Hebrew someone should do something I think God I think I'm supposed to do something here but what does he do he commits murder 
he sees himself as an instrument of, of deliverance for this Egyptian, and, I mean for this Israelite, and maybe as the leader of the Israelites. I am a prince after all, I am a Hebrew, so these other Hebrews should follow. But when he brings that up to uh, two Hebrews that are struggling and fighting, they're like, what are you going to do? Are you going to kill me too? Moses, this man in his prime, this man who's knew the Lord and but yet and received all the privileges of being uh, a prince of Egypt, surveyed a situation, saw there was injustice, and said, I know what's right, I know what to do. And he messed up. He leaned on his own understanding and he decided, I'm going to be a deliverer. I'm going to be the savior in this situation. I'm going to be the leader. But he sets, he, he messes up on a, on a large scale. The, this Pharaoh at this point, who one of his many siblings, as he was adopted by one of Pharaoh's many daughters, now puts a price on his head and he's on the run. And you just, I mean, see, look how, look how sad this is. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in a foreign land, land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. You know? I mean, it, I mean if it just ended there, how sad is that? Like he's run, he's finally stopped to catch his breath and drink some water, and he's got Nothing. Nothing. He just sits down by a well. But God, we see, is not through with him. Even though Moses acts of his own wisdom, of his own strength, of his own timing, God provides water, doesn't he? And then through providing that one basic need, he then provides what? A home and a family. You see, the, you see the grace of God there? The mercy of God? This man humbled by his failure, humbled by his sin, humbled by the circumstances of life, and God still meets him in that and gives him hospitality through a, a believer, a priest of the, of the Lord, a priest of God. This non-Hebrew who, who believed in the Lord showed hospitality to him and, and then provided a wife for him and a son for him. He's no longer a prince. He's no longer a, a place of authority. He's no longer these, you know, these, these dreams, these visions of grandeur are dying away day by day as he's now demoted to a shepherd. Again, noble work to a Hebrew, but to an Egyptian, that's the worst of the worst. Moses is humbled. Moses is taken out of a place of influence, out of a place for change. There's nothing more he can do. He's going to live his life in exile. You see, he's come to terms with that. What does he name his son? Gershom, which means I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. What do you think he means by that? You know, first glance you think, well, he's talking about Midian, right? He's talking about this new land that he's in. But 
I think what he's realizing is, no, Egypt, Egypt. I was never at home there. I was never one of them. I'm a sojourner. I'm a wanderer. I'm a, I'm a pilgrim. And I have no home. Egypt is not my home. That was a hard... Imagine, imagine like all your hopes, all your dreams, all these ideas of what your life was going to be, and they're just totally... Uh, just a complete 180. Moses, from his point of view, was not going to be the deliverer that he thought he would be. He would not be the, the ruler or the prince to his people that he thought he could be. It was over. And there was no going back. He acts in his prime. He acts according to his own understanding. And he falls on his face. And yet, God is with him. God is loving him. God is for him. He has a home, a family, and a calling. And for the next 40 years, he'll raise a family in Midian and serve as a shepherd. That was it. That was going to be his life. Have you, uh, have you experienced that kind of 180? <laughs> have you experienced that kind of disappointment? Have you experienced that kind of failure in your life? Have you experienced just, man, I thought I, you know, things seemed to be lining up and you know, God put me here, God put me, gave me this, God educated me this way, and here I'm, I'm going to follow through. It's clear, I, I can do this because God has put me here for this. And, and sometimes, I mean, I don't, I don't think this was necessarily a completely faithless act on his part, but he, man, he, he was relying on his own, his own abilities, his own strength, his own judgment. He failed. Acting in his prime, he failed. But now, the second point I want you to see is that God is not through with him. God is not done with him. That's what, that's what he thought. <laughs> he had to have thought that. And you see that in his response, but he wasn't done. And we see that God wasn't through because what? Look at, look at verses 23 through 24. Those many days, those, the next 40 years. So, you know, the, the, the slavery, the, the, the genocide, the emphasis, the, all the, 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 the things that Pharaoh was doing. This went on for 40 more years. But God's people still were not alone. God heard their groaning. He heard their cry for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. God did not turn a blind ear, a blind eye, and a deaf ear to His people. He heard their groaning, verse 24, and remembered His covenant and remembered His promise. And get this, He saw the people of Israel and God knew. Now look at this. Turn over. Look what happens. Verse 11. Moses had grown up. He went out to his people. He looked and he saw the Egyptians and their burden. Now look at 25. God saw Israel 
And God knew. Moses didn't wait on the Lord. Moses, I think, assumed. Moses saw and acted. And it didn't turn out well. But there we have, now, what, what needs to happen? What do we need to remember? God sees. God knows. The question of the, the sermon title, who's delivering who? Moses could never deliver. Moses was never the deliverer in and of himself. God had to be. God was the deliverer, the redeemer of Israel. And you see this contrast of Moses seeing and acting, and now we see, now God sees. God knows, and now God begins to act in, in chapter 3. And this is, the, this is where we see his, this washed up shepherd, this failure of a leader, now, not in his prime, but now at 80 years old. Nothing against 80, y'all. Okay? The front row was like, Ugh. and I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> not everyone on the front row, sorry. Anyway, I'm just digging a hole here, okay. Lord, help me. See, that's what Moses should have done. Anyway, okay. But, you see, now Moses called in God's time. Look, at his lowest point, past his prime, God shows up. And what does Moses see? How weird is this, right? Can you imagine this? Have you ever just thought about what this had to look like? We've all seen fire. We've all seen shrubbery, right? Okay. (laughs) We've all seen things burn up in a fire. But something that's on fire but not burning up. And it says Moses was like... I want to take a look at this. You know, I mean, that's basically what he's saying. You know, like, I've never seen anything like that. What is going on with that bush and that fire? I, I have no idea. And he walks up and um, he sees this burning bush. And we find out, it tells us that this is the angel of the Lord. This is, now, this is not just, a mess, not just a messenger that's of God. This is the messenger of the Lord. And this is not just any angel. This is God Himself. How do we know that? Well, we see this throughout the Scriptures that, um, that in Judges 13, 21, we hear the angel of the Lord used and he's, we see that He's God. And then in Malachi 3, 1, He's referred to angel of the Lord. He's referring to the Messiah. And so this is, and I, I don't have time to go into all of this, but this is a pre-incarnate, um, uh, you know, um, visitation into the world of the second person of the Trinity. This is the Son of God showing up. Why did He show up as a burning bush? Why did, the, why did Yahweh show up as a burning bush? Well, a lot of, there's a lot of ink spilled over this. Maybe it's to reflect the circumstances of God's people at the time. That the Hebrews were in the furnace of Egypt, but God was not permitting them to be destroyed. That'll preach, right? That's pretty good. Uh, maybe it illustrates the way the Lord was soon going to deal with Hebrews in Egypt. That He was a, a fire that was going to burn, but yet not consume Israel. But bring judgment against their oppressors. Or just signify just 
something unusual, something other than, something beyond understanding, beyond our comprehension, because that is who God is. He's beyond our understanding, beyond our comprehension, a fire that's burning bright yet does not consume. We know this is the Lord because He says, take off your sandals, this is holy ground. That only ha- that, that angels go, angels, when angels show up, the servants of God, they go, get up, what are you doing? I'm just one, I'm like one of you, I'm a servant of the Lord. I've got news to tell you, but when they say, take your, take your shoes off, this is, God has shown up, and He has a message, He has a message for Moses, and it's very, very surprising to Moses, isn't it? The message is, now you're ready. <laughs> now you're ready. Now you're ready to do what I want you to do. And you see Moses is going, he's basically, what? <laughs> me? Why me? Who am I, verse 11, that I should go to Pharaoh? How can this be? How can this be possible? That I should go? Hey, remember 40 years ago? I know you do, Yahweh. You know everything. Remember that failure of an attempt? Why me? Well, one of the reasons is he's now spent 40 years, not only as a prince of Egypt, he spent 40 years as a shepherd. Genesis 46:34, we see that in Egyptians' eyes, every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. But... In Genesis 48, 15, Jacob blesses Joseph before he died, saying, The God before whom my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. See, Jacob, Isaac, Abraham, the people of God, looked at their God looked at Yahweh as their loving shepherd. It was not an insult to be a shepherd. It was a great compliment to be one who who tended and cared and watered and nourished and saved. Who rescued the sheep that wandered and kept them safe from all harm. They saw that as shepherds and nomads and said, Our God is like that. Our God is like that. In Numbers 27, 1 through 17, see Moses speaking to God, knowing that God's telling him he will not go into the promised land. And Moses says this to the Lord. He says, Let the Lord, the God of spirits of all flesh, appoint a man of the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. At the end of his ministry, at the end of 40 years in the, in the wilderness, how does Moses sum up his life, what he's, do, what he's done? I'm a shepherd. I've shepherded your people. Find another man who will go out, go before them, and shepherd the flock, your people, on your behalf. Psalm 23, how do we describe the Lord? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And the promise that we get, the promise of the Messiah coming, the promise of Ezekiel 34, 23, it says, And I will set up over them 
one shepherd, my servant David. This is after David. David is long dead. I will set up one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them, and he shall feed them and be their shepherd. This is what God wants. A humble man, a man who's been humbled by life, who recognizes he's weak and inefficient, who recognizes that he's not ready, that he's ill-equipped. And now God shows up and says, you're ready. You're ready. Because now all, all pride, not completely, nobody's completely without pride, without sin, but much of that pride and arrogance and like, I can do this, that's gone. He now knows he needs help from another. And this response of, please not me. I think you've got it wrong. I can't do this. God says what? You're absolutely right. You can't do it, but I can. Why? Because God, Yahweh, is the Redeemer, the Deliverer of Israel. He said, I'll give you a sign. This is my favorite part. This is like, this is so funny to me. I, I'm always looking for the joke, if you know me. I probably go for the joke more than I should. But I think this is kind of funny. So I'll give you a sign. Now, when you think of a sign, have you ever prayed for a sign? Lord, give me a sign. What are you, what are you asking for? I want something to happen right now that assures me that the future outcome will work out. This is the sign he gives. You notice it? Isn't that funny? Here's the sign to you, Moses. When it's all done, I'll meet you back right here. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Moses is like, is that how signs work? Because I, I had a different idea. But God's saying, no, my word is sure. My promises always come true. I'm going to do this. And the sign will be, we're going to meet back right here. And then you will see what I have done in you, through you, in spite of you. Trust me. That changes how we think about the sign, right? So what? What does this mean? Third point, what does this mean to us? Jesus was asked for a sign that he was the redeemer. He goes, I'll show you, a, I'll give you a sign. It's, it's going to be the sign of Jonah. And they're like, okay, do it. He's like, no, it's going to happen later. <laughs> and the sign was what? Dead for three days, brought back to life. God's given us that sign, and God has promised to work in and through us. Not because you're so qualified, because you're so great, because you're... you're yes, God, through experiences and through our life, he, 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 makes, he determines to make us His, and He raises us up to do and what He's called us to do, and he's, He shapes all of our life so that we can fulfill that calling. But we cannot do that. We cannot fulfill our callings in our own strength, in our own power. We have to look to the Lord and trust His Word, His promise, His power, His grace. 
power and ability to deliver clearly never abided, resided in Moses. He himself was never meant to bring God's people out of slavery into freedom. He was to be the instrument in the Redeemer's hand. You and I are the instrument of God in this world. He's using you, not because you're what he needed, <laughs> that you were the last essential piece. And that's, I'm really preaching to myself this morning, you know. Y'all made me the senior pastor of this church. You know, that can kind of get to your, go to your head, you know. They think I'm really special. They think I'm really capable. And I have to go, no. I, I, I think, I hope you think God's working in and through me. I think that's what you're saying. That I'm, maybe I'm a guy that knows my sin and my weakness and is looking to the Lord to work in the midst of, our, midst of us and speak to you. And I'm not going to speak to you out of my own opinions. I'm going to speak the Word of God. I hope that's what you're hearing. But we all do that. We all just buy, to the, buy into this, the lie, the lie from the devil that God's called me to this. God's equipped me, therefore... And then we go way off track and go, I'm enough. But you remember who did all the things? God called me. God equipped me. God's working. And then we make this weird jump. The math doesn't work. So I can do it on my own. No, the power comes from God himself. Remember John fifteen five. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. We cannot accomplish God's plans for ourselves or for others. It's beyond us. We were reminded this morning in our Sunday school class of growing together uh, with CCEF. He reminded us of this, of how to pray. And prayer is that ultimate act of acknowledgement, right? Acknowledgement that we are weak and we are, we are insufficient and we can't do life on our own, that we need God to work. And he reminded us of, of Psalm 40. Verse 11, he says, As for you, this is how he thinks about God. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. That's verse 11. And then, because that's true, because he sees that, what does he say in verse 16? Actually, I'm sorry, verse 17. As for me, I am poor and needy. But the Lord takes thought of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. As for God, as for Yahweh, you're full of mercy, full of steadfast love. Your faithfulness will ever preserve me. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. The Lord saw. The Lord knew. When Moses saw, he failed. When the Lord sees and knows, he begins, he, he starts in motion this work of redemption that only he can bring about. 
Let me ask you. Let me ask you this question as we close. Are you trying to grow in grace on your own? Are you trying to solve your relationship problems on your own? Are you trying to solve and fix your family issues on your own? Are you trying to just to be good and moral on your own? Are you trying to convert sinners on your own? You can't. But the good news, the wonderful news, is God can. God uses you and me despite our sin. Uh, Dr. Currid says, Christ uses redeemed sinners to proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called us out of darkness. He's the one that does the work of redemption. He is the one who will redeem Israel. And now you see a servant, a, a, a believer, ready to be the instrument of God because he suffered, because he's seen his need, he's seen his insufficiency. And he's so, he's so as, we, as we walk through this, you'll say, is, is Moses really a faithful guy? He keeps asking for help. He keeps struggling. He keeps wanting. Can you send my brother? Can you send someone else? What are you going to do? But that's what living by faith looks like. That's what, that's, that's Moses at his best when he goes, God, I can't, but you can. Help me. Help me. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you that you are the Redeemer of Israel, that you, we are poor and needy. Help us to see that. Help us not to be ashamed of that, but to to shout it from the rooftops of our inadequacy to do life on our own and help us to shout it from the rooftops the joy and the peace and the comfort we have that you are enough, that you are the deliverer, you are the redeemer, you are the one who rescues and keeps us, not we ourselves. Lord, we, we strive in our own strength, we, we try to fix life, we try to do it on our own and we just mess things up. But thank you, even when we mess up, there's grace and mercy and comfort. And you draw us again to yourself in our failure and in our need. You are such a great God, such a wonderful God. Lord, help us as we take of this meal that this would just further convince us of it's okay to, to need you. We, we come to you without money. We come hungry and thirsty, coming needing redemption. And you are the one who provides. Your body your, was broken. Your blood was shed so that we may enjoy your victory. The redemption that you purchased. Lord, thank you. May this meal just convince us of our neediness and convince us of your sufficiency more and more. Bless these elements. Bless this meal that we're about to partake. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.